The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. Where Andy talks to people he met on the internet. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to, welcome back to the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Compton, and today on the show we have a very special guest. Her name is Gina DeAngelis. You guys probably know her from Twitter. She's the best. Everyone loves her. Her handle is at Jean underscore D27. Right now, currently, it says also on Mastodon. Um, but yeah, she is a writer, a director. She also does freelance writing. Um, she's done a lot and she actually has like a really cool story that's full of a ton of different writing experiences and different mediums. Um, and it was really great talking to her. Jean is one of the most supportive, cool, nice people on Twitter in the episode. Actually, no, after we wrapped, we talked about how, um, one time I like our first DM interaction ever was like, I made a tweet wondering about making an LLC for my film production company, which is literally just me. It's a single member LLC, but I wanted to see what tax benefits I could take advantage of making short films uh, on my own with a lot of my own money. And Jean DM'd me and like told her, told me all about her experience and just a lot of really helpful information. And she didn't have to do that, but she did. And um, we've always been friendly. I see her being friendly on Twitter with just about everyone. And it seems like everyone loves Jean. And why wouldn't they? So it's really a thrill to have her on the show today. Um, if you guys like what you hear on this podcast and you want to help me out, you can donate to the podcast. You can do that at any of our social media profiles on Instagram or Twitter at Social Writer Pod. And there's a link tree link in the bio. Click that and click the donate uh, button it'll take you to a paypal thing that's all legit it's all official and you can throw me a few dollars if you want to um i'd really really appreciate it uh and if not that's okay too i hope you enjoy the episode and guys i also want to tell you that i released a short film that i wrote and directed called ethan and edna um it's about a depressed young man who is recently dumped who confides in his recently widowed grandmother who's like a very blunt straightforward no-nonsense person named edna and together they kind of just enjoy each other's company in their own you know loneliness and uh we worked really hard on it me and a group of friends um i would really appreciate it if you watch it there's links on my personal twitter or instagram in the link tree but also you can just go to youtube or vimeo and search ethan and edna and you'll see it on there uh, so check that out, guys. Uh, I really appreciate everyone who's checked it out so far and said something nice. If you did and you haven't rated it on Letterboxd or anything like that or tweeted about it, uh, please do, you know, help us spread the word. I really appreciate it. And without further ado, let's hop into this episode with Gina DeAngelis. Everyone, we are back with a new episode. And today on the show, we have a very special guest, Gina DeAngelis. Is that how you say it? Yes. Okay, cool. Am I getting the pronunciation wrong? Tell me. Yes. No, no, no. It's DeAngelis. It's okay, it, my De name Angelis. means Queen of the Angels. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it doesn't match me at all, but okay. Yeah. Oh, now I get Angelus, Los Angeles, City of Angels. They're actually uh, spelled different. I did get um 
It was misspelled in Deadline. No, Variety. No. It, was, it was spelled like Los Angeles in Variety. So I was like, oh. cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wait, okay, I mean... <laughs> so let's start there. Why were you in Variety? Oh, it, that was that was my big achievement of 2022. I was one of the uh, four or five finalists in the Roadmap Hustle Up Pitch Competition. That's right. I saw that. And, That's amazing. And Roadmap and Hustle Up got their initiative into Variety. Mm-hmm. You know, kudos to them. Yeah, they're um, great. And they sort of we I didn't win, but the, some friends of mine won, which was fantastic. I was really it was really fun to see. Yeah. Uh, and they mentioned the 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 sort of other finalists, which was really nice of them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, top five, you know, that's that's still pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm assuming they got more than like 50 entries. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure they got a lot more than that. Are you top kidding 10%? me? That's great. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, no, it was a great experience, actually, because one of the things at the start of the pandemic, I was still kind of terrified of pitching mm-hmm. right when it all went to Zoom. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I've done enough practice pitches over Zoom and like actual contest pitches and stuff that. I feel much more comfortable with zoom pitching now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've never like done a full on pitch in a room yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me neither. Like two minute, three minute pitches in a room, but not like the full visual aids kind of. <laughs> yeah. That's pitches. what I've done. Yeah. I've done those actually with roadmap um, over zoom. Like it's kind of like a big pitch session where everyone's mm-hmm. firing off three minute pitches. I've yeah, done that. I did one of those, or t- I don't remember how many, but yeah, that got me really comfortable with with writing them and practicing them, and also like seeing myself doing it. And now I know yeah. like you can turn off your camera and you can do these other things that help you. I don't know. Yeah, to it's, now it was look just at a yourself. really good experience. And then you know, yeah. my name was in Variety, so that was like a double bonus. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, And yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that's definitely like the weakest one of the weakest aspects of my like, I don't know, career at this point. Something I know I need a ton of work on is pitching. I just haven't done it a lot. And um, we'll just we'll both get better as we do it more, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, hopefully getting to a point where people are familiar with your work it's a little easier because you're like, you at least know that I did that. Right. And you like that. That's why you're meeting me. Right. So, I mean, that was good. Yeah. Uh, it's hard I, going I in as a nobody. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. We started with a bang with the biggest achievement of 2022 and now yeah, we're just that, all downhill. I was being sarcastic, but that's all, it's all downhill from there. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's start at the very, very beginning um gina how did you get into screenwriting i was born the son of a sharecropper um that's a that's an old never mind that predates <laughs> you the Je- you remember the show the jeffersons oh yeah yeah, yeah. Every time they asked him you know anything about his past he would say i was born the son of a sharecropper oh I really said- okay that's hilarious <laughs> i didn't get the reference but i do know the show i always wanted to say it so you set me up for that thank you Thank yeah, you well, that. you know, someone out there who's a fan of the Jeffersons is laughing still at this moment. So, yeah, you killed it. <laughs> uh, uh, I remember Sherman Hemsley quite like more often than I think most people do. Uh, how did I get into screenwriting? It was uh, it was December 1992, I believe. Mm-hmm. 93. Mm-hmm. It was 93. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found a story that I was like, holy shit. Why has nobody made a movie about this woman yet? Um, this is right up my alley. I'm going to learn screenwriting and write this story. 
Wow. Uh, so that's that's why I remember exactly when it was, because I remember the story that I found that was like, this needs to be a movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had never had a an official writing class. I was in college at the time, never had an official writing class. Still didn't have any. Um, I was a theater and history major. Then I got a master's in history. Mm-hmm. I did some TV. I worked at a living history museum where they actually did need scripts written. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote some of those. And during that time, I never met another screenwriter, mm-hmm. like in person. And this was really before a lot of people were hanging out on the internet. Like the internet was there, but it wasn't what it is now. Right, right, right. So, the America Online uh, days. So I had never met another screenwriter. I'd met some playwrights and I knew some actors because I, I started as out as an actor. And then mm-hmm. this low residency um, graduate program opened up at my, my very good friend's alma mater. And she told me about it. And I was like, oh, it's like movie camp. You go for six weeks in the summer and you study movies. And then like after, I think, four or five summers, you get your degree. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'll try that. I've never met another screenwriter. This will be great. Uh-huh. Uh, the program was just starting out. So I went to that for a couple of years. And that was my literally first writing class I'd ever taken and first um, screenwriters that I'd ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I... I didn't need the degree. I didn't want the degree. So after I couldn't afford it anymore and I had like a day job that I couldn't get away from for the summer, I just stopped going. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to like 2018, I went back and finished my degree. But they had by since then, by then it was also an MFA, which is terminal, which I could. So technically I'm qualified to teach screenwriting to college students, although I haven't like sought out a position or anything. Yeah. Oh, Um, that's cool, though. Yeah, so it's been, I guess, 30 years now, which dates me a little. Now I sound really old. <laughs> no, not at all. I went to college when I was four years old. So that's okay. um, so now we know I'm really okay. not that old. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. A lot of people go for Honestly, it's a good year. <laughs> you were just an early, um, you were, uh, what is that called? A virtuoso starting. Uh, prodigy, starting, uh, yes. Prodigy, 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 yes. yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's awesome though. Um, and, uh, so it was, it wasn't the prim- my primary job for all that time, obviously, but that's when I started. So, yeah. What was your, I'm sorry, you might've said that. What was your career in the meantime between these college experiences? Freelance writer. I Just started writing books. Um, when I was still in grad school, I got a couple book contracts and mm-hmm. I was writing books and then I, I moved to where I live now without having a job lined up because I just felt strongly that this place was where I wanted to be to my career goal was always to bring history to life for people in a way that people who think it's boring Mm -hmm. to make it exciting and relevant to people who are like, Oh, history is just the worst fucking class in school. And I never Uh want to, I always hated it. Um, I I think it's so much more than that Mm -hmm. to me. It's my sci-fi. It's my fantasy. It's my, like, it's this world, you know, that, Mm-hmm. has the benefit of having existed as well as being really strange and fascinating to me. So I moved to where I am now, which is called the historic triangle in Virginia. And um, while I was freelance writing, I was looking for like the perfect job to do that. And then I, you know, I found that and I did that for about a decade. Um, mm-hmm. And then when that job ended, I went back to freelancing and I was like, you know what? I never really gave screenwriting my all 
Like mm-hmm. I never really fought to to do the hard part. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of dabbling in it. And I think I was spoiled because I had some early success on that first script. And I thought they were all going to be that easy. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. that I felt it was easy, but I, I got some success and that's unusual. And I didn't realize how unusual that was. So mm-hmm. on the one hand, it was good because it kept me going. I didn't get discouraged early on. But on the other hand, I also like was like, oh, I don't need to like really work at this. I can just toss things off and they'll be, you know, they'll get me some attention and eventually I'll hit, I'll, I'll hit with something. And that's mm-hmm. not, we know that's not how it works now. But so I was like, oh, I'll just do this other career goal while I dabble in this thing. And when that hits, I'll just switch over to it. That's not how it works. So yeah. now I'm, now I'm really focused and I'm like, well, if I can't, you know, get historical scripts is are like a legendarily hard sell and they're mm-hmm. generally more expensive and mm-hmm. without IP, they don't really get they they don't really move the needle necessarily. So I'm just, my goal is to get my stuff produced. I'm just going to start producing my stuff. So that's what I've been doing the past, like two, three years. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm still screenwriting, but I'm also like, I'm going to start writing stuff that I can produce myself. And that's where I'm going with that. I think that that is really, really inspiring probably to a lot of people who are screenwriters right now chasing the dream who aren't in their 20s. Um, people who have lived and had careers and, you know, uh, raised children and all of these things who are now getting into screenwriting or getting back into screenwriting. I just think you have a really interesting perspective for that, um, which is awesome. So I wanted to ask, too, because you talked about making your own stuff, because, yeah, period pieces are traditionally so hard to get made. They're more expensive. Um, It's just kind of, you know, it's a miracle when any movie gets made. But to get a period piece made as someone who isn't a very well-known writer, director or whatever, what have you. uh, Yeah, it's just harder. So I wanted to ask because I saw on your cover cover fly profile that you have an indie feature currently in post-production. Are you able to talk about that? And is that a period piece of yours? It's not. um, Okay. I think I'm able to talk about it. I'll just be just in case I'll just be cagey because I, yeah, I did be some contact and they said, you know, there's things I can't say, but yeah, be um, as vague as you want. It's all I'll good. Be as vague as I can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I met I met another um sort of writer producer or like a, a really good writer who's also interested in producing her own and other people's work. Mm-hmm through Stowe Story Labs, which I did remotely. I've never been in person because I only got in during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, And she and I kind of hit it off, so we kept in touch. She wanted to make a a feature film, like a little indie um, scrappy feature Mm -hmm. with a very tiny crew in her dad's hometown. And she thought of me because her dad's hometown was sort of like a boom town a hundred years ago. And it's sort of declined since then, but all the architecture and everything still looks like it's from that boom period. So one thing led to another, we started talking. I came up with a story that would work for her parameters. Like she had production parameters. Like I can only afford two actors. We're going to use locals. She wanted to do like improv as well as scripted you know, there were all these parameters around the project. So we came up with a story that we both were happy with. I Originally, I was going to direct it. 
And then she got some attention and some funding for it. And because I haven't directed a feature before, the funders were like, well, you should go with someone, you know, it, yep, it more yep. into something very different than it started out as, mm-hmm. which is fine. Those were all good things. Those were really good development for the project, not for mm-hmm. me, my career personally. Sure. But to get the story made, um, you know, I ended up, it, it ended up that the director they hired had also had, was an accomplished writer. My friend herself was an accomplished writer and I was just the writer. So at a certain point, I was like, you know what? Like, you don't need me. Why don't you just like take, you know, take this and make it yours? Because, you know, she had a shoot date nailed down. She wanted to shoot during a local event that was Mm -hmm. not going to move because Mm -hmm. it had nothing to do with the production. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of like they they bought my story and then they went and made the the movie out of it. So it's in mm-hmm. the can. They shot it on the date they were going to shoot it. And um, mm-hmm. I think it's in post now. And um, they got, they got a country music star to be in it. Um, mm. got, you know, she was, she is really good at pulling together, like all the resources she could lay her hands on. So, sure. Yeah. And I and haven't have seen to... it. I don't actually know what they, you know, did with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. You'll um, find out with the wait. rest of us, huh? Well, yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting because, like, I yeah. I had a sale offer on one of my scripts, a contemporary one, by the way, mm-hmm. not a historical one again. Mm-hmm. But um, I turned it down because it wasn't like it just wasn't the right. It didn't feel right. I had like a yeah. gut feeling that something wasn't right. So that mm-hmm. was actually my first kind of feature credit. Mm-hmm. I love that. Exciting. And that probably was my biggest accomplishment of 2022. Now that yeah, I think yeah, yeah. about Wait, it. Wait, are you, is this sarcasm, Gina? Huh? No, are you no, just I was, no. my chain again? No, no uh, it was really exciting. Yeah, and that is crazy exciting. I um, think the best part of it, though, is that we're still friends, you know? So yeah. hopefully we get to work together again. And hopefully the movie's a big success. And, you know, they, they are in talks to, oh, I'm probably not allowed to talk about that, but they're already having some success because the cast and the other people involved in the production have connections and and they're getting some interest in possible ancillary stories that oh, would cool. branch out from that original story, if that makes sense. I, I yeah, can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Don't say anymore, okay? I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> But I did want to say, um, yeah, that's cool. And uh, I, I actually went through something recently with uh, my biggest success of 2022 was getting a script that might go into production, a feature. And uh, but <clears throat> during the initial talks, I was like, you know, I am a director, too. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I know. But I, I don't think uh, we're going to. And I was like, oh, OK, OK, that makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's really hard. But like the way I'm looking at it now is like, you know, I would love to make my own stuff, direct my own stuff. But in the beginning of our careers here, um, you kind of just have to like take the one step at a time approach. And for me, it's like, if I get a feature script I wrote made, whether I direct it or not, that's a huge step forward um, towards maybe directing the next thing. So like, yeah, you know, you, that, that's like a huge part of this career, right. Is just understanding how slow things move and just understanding Mm -hmm. that a step forward is a step forward no matter how small and it's a good thing a lot of the times i also really love what you said about having a sale on the table but turning it down because it didn't feel right in your gut <laughs> um i've had a situation like that too it was more of a work for hire situation 
but um, just really felt sketchy. And uh, the amount of money, who am I to ask for a lot of money? But the amount of money felt really not great <clears throat> for the amount of work I was being asked to do. And the quality of work that I kind of know I can put out, you know, not to be arrogant, but I know that I'm not like a brand new writer, you know, like I can give you something that's kind of good. And um, so I didn't feel like it was worth it. But um, I think it's really easy for us newer writers too to get caught up in the, the, you know, just anyone wanting to buy something from us. And oh my God, I can make a paycheck off this. And I guess for you, it wasn't going to be your first ever paycheck from writing. No, it was. Oh, yeah, it was. That, that was in um, 2020 uh, or 2021. That was. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, this this film that's in the can that happened really fast and like all all credit to the producer because she just pushed and pushed and pushed and was tireless and like as you really have to be to make humored. an indie film like, yeah, like good humored about it all. But she just, yeah. you know, rolled with whatever um, came. So she's yeah. kind of, you know, she's a bit of a role model for me in that respect. Yeah, this yeah. sale offer was uh, was before that, and it would have been my very first ever. And it was by um, a couple of producers who, you know, have have some pretty big movies on their, um, I would call them independent, but mm-hmm. they their their films made double digits, millions of dollars, and they made several of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, I had to do like a lot of soul searching and I kind of frantically reached out to like everyone I know who's any kind of mentor to me to be like, what do you think? How is, what, what do I do? And, um, but ultimately I was like, well, you know, when you, when you, it's kind of like getting in bed with someone in a sense, and like, uh-huh. I don't want to be prurient about it, but, um, yeah. if you're going into business with somebody on a feature film, it's going to be a long time mm-hmm. that you're dealing with these people. And if you feel at the very beginning, you know, you got to listen to your gut. Like yeah. I'm a big believer in doing things that you're afraid of mm-hmm. because a lot of times you're afraid because of your own lack of confidence or you don't know what's going to happen or whatever. But I'm also the flip side of that coin is fear is a gift. And if it's telling, if it's telling something's telling you to be afraid you should interrogate that and find out why you feel afraid. Mm-hmm. And if it's, oh, I'm just afraid I can't do it. Well, then you should do it just to prove yourself that you can. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, if it's something like, oh, I just feel, I feel like this is, it's making me dread. It's making my shoulders tense up. It's like giving me a hit. You know, you got to listen to that. Your body knows. Yeah. Um, Which is fascinating, by the way. Always been so fascinating is. to me how we have a gut voice and the more experiences you have in life, the more you realize how often it's correct. And it's so strange. It's such a weird phenomenon. I'm sure there's like lots of really educated psychologists who can explain exactly what, you know, but I just, I would love to have one on here because I have a million questions. (laughs) That'd be fun. (laughs) Yeah. I need to find a psychologist who is also a screenwriter. That'd be great. Um, You know what? That'd be a great episode. I'm going to write that down. Um, Oh my gosh, who is it? There is a podcast by a screenwriter who started out as a psychologist. Really? Oh, now they I have their own podcast. It. There's like three, uh-huh. four podcasts that I listen to all the time. And uh-huh. this one isn't one of them. So I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> oh, I thought <laughs> you were I'll... saying mine, but it's fine. no, yeah, yours is one of them. Um, is it really? Oh, thank you yeah. so much. 
on the page and um script notes yeah, yeah me too I Meg love and laurian mckenna uh screenwriting life yeah yeah so, they're great too yeah all those are great I, i'm just not a i don't have a lot of driving time because i work at home so mm. <laughs> and that's where you get your real good podcast time that's let's when be I get honest my good podcasting in yeah yep I uh, I live about twenty five to thirty minutes from the from St. Louis City, where mm-hmm. I do a lot of film stuff, and I have buddies. My job is out there, so I get a lot of podcast time in the yeah. car, and I That's honestly perfect. love that time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So let's jump into like how you write, um, Gina. Every screenwriter's favorite question: How would you describe your brand? I was thinking about this and because you always have to be thinking about it. Um, I have kind of a bifurcated brand as far as the features that I write. So I either write like fun, family friendly adventure stories that like four quadrant kind of things that I could watch with my tween kids Mm -hmm. or really freaking dark thrillers between yeah and so that that's my features but then i was thinking as i was thinking about like describing my brand and they're not always historical but that's my candy so like if there's any history in it or ghosts or anything like that it's usually like that's the part i love about it mm-hmm. but my films are really different like the ones that i um made myself and that i'm working that are in like pre-production now mm-hmm. are really sort of slow burn creepy twilight zone feeling um playing preying on um the fears i have as like a woman just living in the world yeah so uh i guess i have three brands and until i figure out a way to like say some pithy little short log line of what my brand is i guess i won't get anywhere <laughs> I hate that. I, I hate because there is some truth to needing to be pigeonholed a little bit. Um, the yeah. industry is just going to do it to you. And it sucks because I'm a person who like everyone mostly knows me as writing <clears throat> like heartfelt dramedy kind of stuff, maybe a little bit dark sometimes. But um, at the same time, I want to make a hereditary someday. Yeah, you know? like I really, really do. And because uh, I'm a huge horror guy, too. Um. So yeah, it sucks. Uh because well, I've even here's what I want to make someday. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make like a master and commander type movie. Ooh, really? Okay. I friggin' love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I mean, I do want to make sort of not hereditary, but like uh maybe I don't know, the creepy like oh, here's one, like Ocean's Eleven. I love heist movies, <laughs> I love mm-hmm. like smart thrillers. Yeah. Um, like creepy mysteries, the name of the rose. I would love to, I actually wrote a script that I feel is like an updated name of the rose with an, it's in a convent instead of a monastery. Uh, I'm um, not familiar with that. Oh, that, that oh, you should look it up. It's really? it okay. out in the eighties. It's based on an Umberto echo novel, which is like gory beyond belief. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Connery's in it. Christian Slater, mm. a whole bunch of actors that you will recognize character actors that you'll recognize from other films you have seen. And Mm -hmm. it came out in like, I want to say 86 or 87. Um, And it's a, it's a murder mystery set in a medieval monastery. So mine Mm. is a murder mystery set in a very, very small convent in the 1400s. So 
it's similar, but it's contained and it's very feminist uh, mm-hmm. where the other one has like, I think there's one female character in it and mine has like two male characters in it. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. That sounds cool. We got off topic, but sorry. no, but I mean, yeah, we were just talking about brand and stuff and yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's definitely, it, it's a harsh part of the industry that like, no matter what you do, you're going to be pigeonholed. And then, a lot of people say this and they're kind of right is that like you would be lucky to be pigeonholed oh, by yeah. the industry I'd love to so be pigeonholed. as yeah. long as it's something i like to do you know that i and i and i yeah. honestly you can't really deliver well on something that you don't feel invested in mm-hmm. so yeah oh know. yeah you're 100% right yeah so it's so this if you're thing like it's generally going to be for something that you you liked enough to deliver well mm-hmm. on it mm-hmm. and so why not you know, yeah. take your money from that and then do like the indies do, like go make your money off a big blockbuster role that you managed to land and take mm-hmm. that money and plow it into your weird little indie yep. drama. The that old you uh, one for you me, know? one for them. Yeah, uh, exactly. For sure. Um, We'd be so lucky, you know. Exactly. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, like whenever I hear sometimes it's newer writers and I'm guilty of saying this, you know, a few years ago um, that, oh, well, you know, I just don't want to be pigeonholed. And it's like, dude, you want, you don't have Pigeon anything homie. going on for you. Like, you Pigeon have nothing homie, going on. Yeah. Just make me the very specific, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, and I will be that if you want to, if you will let me make three of those, um, yeah. I'd be amazed, you know, be you know that, old, that old saying um, that every writer's career has four stages. Uh-uh. It's a, it's a, who is Gina DeAngelis? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get me mm-hmm. Gina DeAngelis. Get me a younger Gina DeAngelis. Who is Gina DeAngelis? Oh my god, that's <laughs> like, hilarious! That's really funny. That or is get so me true. A younger, cheaper. You know what I mean? Like, so we should all be so lucky to have you know to have your name represent a brand. That'd Absolutely, be fantastic, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean, that applies to actors as well. Oh yeah, um, big time. I uh, guess it's probably more for actors than writers, but well, I mean, no, because I think. Yeah, writers too, directors too. Um, you would think so. Uh, everyone wants the new hip young director. You know, it seems like. Uh, okay, so since everyone's routine is unique, Gina, can you describe your regular writing routine to me? Like, do you write at morning? Do you write at night? Do you write in an office or like a coffee shop? What do you usually do when you write? Well, your question was, can I describe it? And the answer is no. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. No. <laughs> no, I work. I mean, I, I have a home office. I, I freelanced for many years. So I'm like accustomed to working at home and closing the door, or whatever. Yep. For Routine. years, I worked outside my home in my own office. Then I worked in a coffee shop every day. I got less work done there than I like to pretend. Mm-hmm. Um, but the routine helped me. So I I wouldn't say that I have like, I mean, I have an ergonomic chair and I have a certain kind of keyboard and I like Pentel RSVP pens. But other than that, I don't think, you know, it doesn't matter. I used to write longhand, like my first probably six or eight books were Mm. written longhand and then I typed them in. Wow. Um, But I finally got used to like inputting into the computer. I mean, I'm a dinosaur. I'm a thousand years old. So, (laughs) um, so now I kind of feel like I have to, like, I can't write longhand anymore. I never, I'm not scripts anyway. 
Yeah. I could probably write a book longhand if I had to, but I, I don't think I could write a script that way again. Other than that, it's most, mostly hours. Like I have, I have made peace with the fact that I have to get up early because I have a family and I am not ready to write before 10 or 11 a.m. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter if I get up at six. Mm-hmm. I can't. The brain just doesn't switch I just on. Can't. It won't. It won't. Mm-hmm. And then I found out this this past year that I'm neurodivergent as well. So now mm-hmm. I'm like really making peace with what, okay, you've been battling your own brain chemistry all your life. Now, why don't you figure out how to work with it? Mm-hmm. So, all right. So I'll start working at 10 or 11. If I put in four or five good hours of writing, mm-hmm. I'm usually pretty fried. I got to mm-hmm. stop then anyway. If I'm away from home, like at a retreat or I'm traveling for a conference or something, I will sit back down at seven to to send an, a real quick email. And mm-hmm. at 1130, I'll realize I've written 14 more pages. You know what I mean? Like I can do big chunks in the evening, but mm-hmm. usually not with a family. Like that's hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then I was reading like all these people, you know, Stephen King and these like really accomplished, prolific professional writers that we've all heard of mm-hmm. who are like, yeah, four hours is all you can do in a day. Or or some of them will be like, no, you sit down and it's eight hours, whether it's one page or 15 pages that I put my eight hours in. Mm-hmm. And I'm not that person. I just yeah. got to do what I got to do. So there are times when I'm going to be way more productive and I'm driven to work in the evening. And I'm like, sorry, kids, dad's going to put you to bed. I'm writing. <laughs> sorry, yeah. we're having Taco Bell tonight. Uh, sorry, <laughs> we're, you know, yeah. and usually they're like, yay. So, yeah, uh, I would love to write eight hours a day, but even as my full-time job, it's not really eight hours solid of solid writing. So mm-hmm. I would, if, I mean, if this is like an advice kind of thing that people are interested for, mm-hmm. like how to apply it to themselves, I would say like, forgive yourself if you can only do four or five hours, mm-hmm. forgive yourself if you don't have four or five hours mm-hmm. and just do it in 30 minute chunks or 15 mm-hmm. minute chunks. Um, sit down with a timer and set it for 20 minutes and, and open the goddamn document. That's the number one, like open the document. Mm-hmm. It's, it is horrifying to me. Like I heard that piece of advice and I was like, well, duh. But then I thought about it and I tried to put it in practice and I was like, I can't freaking believe how many times I've kicked myself for like, why can't I get started? We well, didn't open the document. Numbass. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just thought about it and kind of like put it off and things yeah. like that. And it's like, yeah, once you open it, it's weird yeah. how quickly you can find yourself in a groove. Especially if it's not blank. Yeah. I mean, if you just read over the last four sentences you wrote yesterday mm-hmm. and you set a timer for 20 minutes and you can't do anything else for that 20 minutes, I guarantee mm-hmm. you that timer is going to be going off and you're going to ignore it and keep writing. Yeah. 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 So, oh man, that's such a, such a good piece of advice. And I can't believe it took me that long, you know, like a whole lifetime to mm-hmm. like work with my brain the way my brain wants to work. So, well, well it's anyway, crazy too, because I don't really only, have a process is all. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy too. How like, you know, the whole thing with like, you know, neurodivergence and things like that has only been really gaining popularity in recent years as like a thing that might be affecting your life um, for Mm -hmm. more people than, you know, we originally thought maybe for decades. And so, yeah, I think there's room to kind of forgive yourself there too, of being like, Oh, it makes sense now. Cause I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I also have ADHD and uh, have 
ignored it for most of my life and really gotten frustrated with myself over things like, why can't I just be an orderly person who is just like, you know, in a routine, like behave like an adult, be a grown up. ever since I've, you know, all of my years in my twenties and now half of my thirties, I've been trying really, really hard to be a grown up, and it's so hard. (laughs) And I just don't know why. And like, I'm kind of accepting that I'm just like a big kid and uh, give it up. There's no money in it. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's funny too. now leaning into my, my child side of like, I'm going to be a screenwriter. Um, like now maybe money will be on the table at some point, <laughs> who knows, but, uh, we'll see. But anyway, it's definitely like, more um, fun being a kid than like, I hate adulting. I know me too. And like, yeah. So just like if any, if you're, if anyone is going to take anyway, anything away from what Gina said or what I added, it's just like, just learn who you are, be comfortable with that. I'm sure many of you already know that, but I'm 34 right now. And I only in very recent years, have I been kind of putting that together of like, stop trying to be something that you're not lean into what you are. And it's been working out. I still have a long way to go. I'm sure that never ends learning about yourself, you know, adapting. Well, you don't but, want it to yeah. end because then you're dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> well, I already feel dead inside. So how did that happen? <laughs> Not that kind of dead inside. <laughs> oh, a different kind. Okay, cool, cool, cool. No, when you stop, you stop being curious about yourself and curious about the world, like then go to a nursing home. Like what? A hundred percent. Yeah. Especially your... if you want to be a writer. Yes. Yeah. 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 You anyway. got it. That curiosity is our superpower, even though. At times it feels like nursing homes either, because like, you know, some of them give good care. It's necessary. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I have a short story that I'd love to make into a feature at some point about, um, a nursing home, but, uh, yeah. So let's move forward into, (laughs) I'm so bad at this because I'm so rusty. It's been months. I'm sorry (laughs) that you're like the Guinea pig having to get me back into this. Uh, but describe your process to me, Gina, you have a brand new idea. Do you jump into an outline? Do you do a log line? Do you have to have a title before you get started or do you just jump into pages? Um, what do you usually do when you're like, I think that's an idea. I should work on that. That's a really great question. I think, uh, first I'll, I'll, I'll caution, you know, everything that follows it's different for every project. Mm-hmm. So I'll say that mm-hmm. um, earlier in my career, I would outline every book I wrote, partly because you get paid for submitting the outline in the sample chapters. <laughs> you get sure. like your down payment, sure. but I never outlined my scripts. And a few years ago, I was like, the hell's wrong with me? Like professionals have to outline. Why am I thinking that I can, I, I can't, I have to outline my books, but I can't outline my screenplays. And I know there's tons of screenwriters who don't outline. So I'm not I like very dear friends of mine. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work for them. And that's fine for mm-hmm. me. Um, structure has always been my hard, like the part I have to like bang my head against. So mm-hmm. now what I do is first try to make a log line out of it before I even really develop the character idea anymore. Because I think a logline crystallizes what the conflict's going to be. It also points to the themes you could explore. Um, the antagonist will come up in the logline. You know, all that stuff that points you to then the structure of it. Mm-hmm. So I try to do a logline that works. If I don't get it perfect, that doesn't stop me 
I would just like, then I would go and try to make the tent, what I call the tent poles of the story. Like what's going to be the first act break? What's going to be the second act break? The midpoint, the inciting event, you know, what's the, mm-hmm. what's the closing scene? What's the, what's the big <clears throat> visual moment that like clinches the story in act three? Like mm-hmm. I'll try to get those tent poles down. And sometimes boy, they really come out and then I'm off to the races. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll still try to write an outline like in prose. And sometimes I get bogged down in that. Other times I have to outline it four or five times until I find the tent poles. Um, so it is different every time, but generally log line, tent poles, and a couple of prose paragraphs, like we'll call it a synopsis. And then I might go to pages if I feel like it's really there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also really different from a lot of writers and I'm going to get some shit for this. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. This is a I safe don't space. Do, I don't do 15 drafts mm-hmm. of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm going to get shit. <laughs> I, I take so long to write a first draft uh-huh. and I go over it and over it and over it as part of my process for moving forward Yep. that I, I never really, and you know, one of my idols, like I mentioned, Meg Lafove is always saying, Oh no, you start over from cards. You start a new document with no words in it. That's how you do a rewrite. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. I totally understand that, but that's mm-hmm. not, and that has never worked for me. Mm-hmm. And so me and I and I keep thinking I'll never be a real writer until I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that's my I think that's my doubt and resistance talking. It is. Instead of just recognizing I mean my scripts do pretty well. They place they've been placing pretty high. Yeah. Uh, they haven't generally won things mm-hmm. and they don't always, you know, certainly they could be better with with page one rewrites, but mm-hmm. I think they'd also be a little bit worse. So, yeah, I mean, winning is like, it's a lottery, you know, like it, because it, it, I think that consistent placement and consistent yeah. high, high placement even means a lot more than a one-off win. Um, just because we all know how subjective this is. And like, I don't know, it's just, you know, like that thing of like, you know, is a, you know, nickel or Austin or one of these, uh, bigger more prestigious competitions are the finalists not as good as the winner it's like no that's not oh, true at yeah, all of you course. know it's like of winning course. is just the lottery part of it i just mean um, yeah i yeah. agree but i also yeah. think and this doesn't get said often enough i think mm-hmm. there's a big difference between a competition winning script mm-hmm. and a producible script yes yep they're two different animals and sometimes mm-hmm. We all have heard these stories. They're mm-hmm. filed away in the back of our minds. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a competition winning script is a really producible script and it mm-hmm. gets like snapped up and optioned right away or it gets mm-hmm. bought and it maybe it didn't even win the competition, but it came to someone's attention and they felt it was producible. And yeah. so, you know, you have these stories of like, well, mine only ever got a four on the blacklist, but now it's in post-production. You know, mm-hmm. that happens because... Oh, I can't even say why, but there's just so many moving parts. There's so much subjectivity in the process. There's so many, like people are looking for different things. Mm-hmm. And when you look at a script as, and people say this all the time too, if it's a blueprint for a movie, 
then it's not a piece of literature on its own to be judged on its own merits as, as an example of this form. Mm-hmm. Whereas every competition or fellowship or lab is looking for that. They are looking for something to be a shining example of the form on the page, not yeah. just as a blueprint to like, here, take this, break it down. We're shooting in three weeks. You know, like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a different animal. Yeah. So I don't, yes, I, I'm just agreeing with you. I just feel like nobody really talks about that. And the, there's a lot of attention on competitions and placements and stuff, but I think that there's also a lot, like I get these, um, I get these emails of, of like aggregate sites that like producers are looking for X, Y, and Z. They're looking mm-hmm. for scripts about this. They're looking for scripts set in the Philippines. They're looking mm-hmm. for, you know, they're very specific. Those people are not looking for competition winning <laughs> pieces of literature. They're yeah. looking for something that they can shoot. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they're different. So it and doesn't they can put a bankable mean, star in. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't. Um, and so maybe there's a shining role in there that the actor reads and he feels like he can do a crazy good job on it and it'll really add to his brand mm-hmm. but no competition has placed it because they didn't feel it was a shining work of you know yeah um, i don't think no. enough people talk about that and like it, because we're many of us are outside of la or outside the industry and don't have connections and we're always told to try competitions or script um evaluation services mm-hmm to get attention so that when Mm -hmm. we query, we can say, Oh, it got a 90 from we screenplay or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's not always, I mean, that's not always the, the route. Like there's plenty of routes in, like I haven't found them yet, but (laughs) we know they're out there. No, no, you're, you're totally right. And that's such a good point that I do believe you're right. No one talks about, I mean, for instance, I saw a tweet, I think it was yesterday that was um, saying that all of the mandates right now, um, it was someone who's pretty keyed into the industry and like, I think some kind of, you know, producer role, something like that. I forget who it was now, but they said uh, that the industry mandates right now are pretty much all calling for hard comedy, which hard comedy, if you don't know, it's just things that are joke, 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 you know, funny. Let's get back to Ace Ventura's and Dumb and Dumber and things like that. Uh, and we had a thing maybe in the 2000s that faded away. The last Adam McKay, Will Ferrell um, movies, the run in the 2010 or 2000s. And yeah, so that's back on the mandate. None of those are winning a competition. No. Uh, a script like really that. Not. But there might be yeah. a really, really funny, the next Anchorman, you know, the next Superbad, uh-huh. one of those movies um, that's out there right now. And yeah, so there. I think just to add on to your point, your great point, uh, I think that's like a good example of that is um, there's a big difference between producible scripts and competition winning scripts. Now, competition winning scripts can absolutely be produced. We're not saying yeah. that. Yeah, uh, I agree. But just saying that, like, yeah, there's that many different roads and paths in the industry to getting made. And if you are, you know, someone just the same way the Oscars shut out horror, a lot of these top competitions seem to shut out horror and horror is you're you're as a horror writer if you're writing quality horror that's bringing something fresh to the genre you actually have an amazing chance of getting produced because horror is one of the last bankable genres that you look at the theaters and look at what smile just did um and just barbarian did way beyond Mm -hmm. expectations 
Um, so yeah, don't, don't put too much stock into any one thing, I think is what we're saying. Uh, and this comes from people who you and I, who have probably spent, uh, more money than we'd like to admit on these competitions. I, you know, I could probably write a damn book about screenplay competitions. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I know it. I know it is, uh, it's ridiculous, but going back to, to the thing you thought that you might get slaughtered about online, about, uh, not writing that many drafts. I am also a very long first draft writer and my first drafts come out quite polished. Now there are definitely going to be subsequent drafts and, you know, from notes and things like that. I don't get it perfect the first time, but a compliment I often have gotten since my earliest um, first drafts is, Oh, this is like pretty good for a first draft. Like it's pretty tight. And it's because I take longer to write them than the average writer. And I obsess over getting it right before i let anyone else see it um and so i can all i'm saying is i can i can relate i think we're riding in the same car there andy yeah i think so and i think it's just (laughs) us too because other people are like oh i just i get it out in a weekend and it's like oh i I wish you know i wish i could do that one of these books that i have by by the way i could also write a book on screenwriting books i think i have them all (laughs) i think i have all of them Uh all of them like Uh um this one that I found, you know, the 90s were like a completely different animal as far as specs. The spec market was so hot, like it's legendary now. I get mm-hmm. that. So that's yeah. when I was coming up. And I, you know, I know we'll never see that again, probably. But yeah, um, one of these books was like, write a screenplay in 21 days. And they even mm-hmm. said in the introduction, they're like, if your job is getting in the way, quit. Finish the script and then go get another shit job. And I was like, like that's how... Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that was a nineties book, book. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I have it somewhere here. Anyway, okay. I, I refer to it now and that. then because I really wish that I could be that person mm-hmm. that just, you, and they're like, Oh, right. This, you know, they gave you a calendar of day one through 21. Here's what you do, you know, on mm-hmm. each day. Mm-hmm. And they do make it look really doable, but I'm uh-huh. also like garbage in garbage out. I mean, come yes. on. Like how many, yes. so but that's that's that school of thinking where you just crank it out and then you're going to that's not what you're going to show anybody. Obviously, you're going to work it and work it and work it and do a pass after pass after pass. Yeah. And, yeah. and I wish I could be that writer sometimes, but I just I have to it 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 is. I've never been able to do that. Yeah. I have to obsess over those first few scenes because it's setting up the rest of the movie. And, you know, I just can't, I can't, my brain won't move on until I feel like I've gotten it right. So that's the way I work. Um, and then, I mean, I, I did notice for me again, I know this doesn't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. I did notice for me an exponential um, increase in quality after I started outlining before mm-hmm. I went to pages. Mm-hmm. I even yeah. went back and, you know, I, if I didn't outline, it was really easy to stall out. And, and I noticed in hindsight, every time I stalled out, it was around page 65 to 70. And that's like a tell to like, I just wasn't paying enough attention to analyze what was going wrong. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally, I was like, I'm going to try something new mm-hmm. and it started working. And now I'm looking at it going, well, duh, like you wasted yeah. all this time. But then like I was yeah. dabbling for so many years and now, you know, like you said, every three months, if you're, that's really good because it means your skills are improving that fast. Mm-hmm. That if you go back and look at something you wrote last year, you're going to be like cringing because mm-hmm. 
because yeah. you've learned so much in a year that yeah. you would do it so differently now. And so yeah. I even saw somebody's advice was like every January they take out all their feature scripts that they're still marketing or I guess pilots too. I don't know all their scripts that they're marketing sure. and they go, they do a pass for like timeliness. So they go through and see if any jokes are falling flat because they wrote them in 2017 mm. and it's now 2023 or mm-hmm. they go through and, you know, just make these little changes so that it doesn't feel dated. And his, I think it was a, he was his thing was like, if you do that every year, it doesn't take that long and it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you let your script sit for six years and now somebody wants to see it, <laughs> yeah, it's harder. definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's another interesting tip. For sure. Um, so we talked about long first drafts. On average, how long does your first draft usually take? Wow, that's another one that really depends. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, I finished like I think three or four features in mm-hmm. two years. Yeah. Um, which I think is pretty good. It is. Uh, I mean, finished to the point where obviously not finished, they're not produced, but um, to the point where I felt comfortable, you know, querying, like calling and John. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, recently, I guess, I guess once I get going, I mean, I, now I take a lot more time outlining and making sure, making sure the tent poles are there before I start writing because I've I was spinning my wheels so much. Mm-hmm. That now I'm like, no, I want to see the story in my head before I go to pages. And if I do that, then the drafting actually takes, oh, a month or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but all told with all the thinking and the planning and the ruminating and reading and going back to it, maybe four to five months. Yeah. Yeah. See, we're on the same page. I always, everyone I talk to, I'm like the slowest writer of all, but like, uh, yeah. I'm I'm the same way that my first draft takes me quite a while, but I'm also a big believer in like thinking of your idea, like, you know, like dough that you're putting in the oven and it's going to, and that's the back of your brain. And even when you're doing other things throughout the day, whatever, working on other projects, that's still kind of rising in the back of your head. So I, I kind of like thinking of my, my mind like that, like just get it in there get that yeah. idea in there and let it ruminate and do what it does. That's the, that's the proofing drawer. Paul yes. Hollywood would say like you have, you'd haven't proved it long enough. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I've never heard that said, but uh, you don't yeah, watch it's... the great British bake off. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. I will binge it today. <laughs> right. When we get off this call. Okay. Um, go for it. So then when your first draft is complete, what do you like to do first? Do you send it to trusted peers? Do you do another revision on your own? Do you put it away? Do you send it to a feedback service? What is the first thing you do when you're like, this first draft is complete? Um, I go veg on the couch for six hours. That's literally the first thing I do. Because okay. I swear to God, there's no better feeling in the world than finishing a script. Oh my God. It's it's amazing. I haven't had that feeling in a minute. It's not, it's not ecstatic or anything. It's like pulling out a splinter that's been really bothering you. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you have to sit there and feel the relief for a while yeah um anyway it's interesting to me that you didn't mention um a writer's group that's like the only possible avenue in there because oh, yeah. the only reason i mentioned that is i'm not in a writer's group mm-hmm. and every time i talk to like a professional coach or something they're like well what does your writer's group say and i'm like i don't have a group and then i feel like they're looking at me down their nose <laughs> i know right i've been a member of a few but yeah. they didn't they didn't last it's hard to well, make them last. I've been a member of a few that, and there, I mean, 
they're fine. They're great. I just, my, my neurodivergent brain doesn't, I can't be in something where I have to deliver a certain number of pages every week. And I understand that works for a lot of people. Anyway, you didn't mention that. So I will say I'm not in a writer's group. Mm -hmm. Uh, my first thing, I guess, after the experience, the joy of splinter removal, um, (laughs) is, uh, I have a handful of really trusted, incredibly gifted writers who I'm I'm blessed to be friends with that they mm-hmm. they are willing to put my stuff at the top of their pile and get me thoughtful feedback. Um, probably I'm I mean I'm really blessed. There's probably like five people like that that, mm-hmm. that or six even. Um, I try to give them as much time as possible. I need to step away. Like I can't fiddle with it. I have to leave it. So if they get me feedback in a week, I read it and ask questions if I have them, but I don't touch my script yet. My script is still baking. And I have used services. Um, there's actually this, this sort of secret guy who does, <laughs> who reads features for like 60 bucks or something mm-hmm. and gets really incredibly like cogent and targeted story feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't even remember how I found him, but I use mm-hmm. him occasionally. Um, I'm trying to think if there's other paid services I use. I, I used to, Oh, some of your listeners may remember trigger street. Um, Ooh, never heard of it. Never heard of Trigger Street. That is a whole separate podcast, my friend. Um, <laughs> doesn't exist anymore, probably for good reason. But uh-huh. that they had a service. They were a service kind of like um, Coverfly X, where it's like peer-to-peer notes. I have never used Coverfly X. I've heard some people got good responses from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had good and bad. I've had good from We Screenplay. They've, mm-hmm. they've given good feedback. Um, yep. I very, very rarely pay for extra feedback from any competitions. The yeah, one that either. I did was Paige. Um, they give really, really great notes. Really? At least in my in my experience. Um, but they also tend to like my scripts, I think, because my stuff keeps placing. Like for the last five years, I think I've placed in the... I love Paige. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I've always me. liked Paige. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've um, never gotten past the quarters with Paige, but I do like them. They seem great. They really are a great bunch of people. And I mean, that's no, that's no mean feat, the quarterfinals, because I think they get like 11 or 12,000 scripts a year or something. Yeah. Plus yeah. the other thing I like that they do is they do different genre categories. So there's like, you know, I th- I feel like they look at your, what your genre is a little more fairly, if that makes sense. Like it's really hard for a horror comedy to compete with like a, like an Oscar worthy drama. And like, how do you compare those? They're like apples to oranges, but they have categories. So you feel like maybe you're getting a little fairer treatment. I guess they have also, I know um, some people who have been judges for page and I have like a lot of respect for them as like industry people with who know story. Mm -hmm. Um, I like Nichols readers are also, can be very good some of them are mm-hmm. wow i don't know where they got them but um yeah <laughs> their ones yeah, yeah, are yeah. really good yeah but i don't i mean my point is i don't often pay competitions to give me feedback i think they're in the business of getting you to rewrite and resubmit again mm-hmm. because that's where their bread and butter is and that mm-hmm. makes sense for them 
and a lot of I've been a reader as well. And I think some, a lot of people submit scripts before they're ready. Yes. So I can understand why they offer that feedback service and then get you to resubmit like that works for some people. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mostly I use trusted friends and a couple of paid services that I have had good experiences with and not bad ones yet. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Um, Okay. So I wanted to jump in. We, we talked about your day job as, are you still freelance writing right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, do you feel comfortable sharing kind of like some of the, some of the work that you do in case anyone out there is like looking for a gig they can balance with chasing a screenwriter career? Cause that's like, you know, one of I the hardest telling, parts, right? I have an editor that I've worked with for probably at least 20 years now, an editor of a publication. And I was telling her recently, like it used to be that I could make a decent living, a very frugal, but decent living Mm -hmm. freelance writing, the kind of stuff I was writing for her and some other organizations, client, I guess, clients, uh, companies, and it's not possible anymore. They have not raised their rates since I started working for them. The other, like the publishers that I used to work with have gone down, their rates have gone down and the amount of work they want from you has gone up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the case for most free. I just can't, I mean, we devalue this, this um, service so horribly as a society. And yet it's a skill that everybody needs to have. So while I hope that the reason it's being devalued is that more and more people are developing that marketable skill. Mm-hmm. Therefore there's more, you know, they can pay less because writers are a dime a dozen where they yeah. used to be a dollar a dozen. Yeah. Um, it, so as for giving people advice for how to get into free, freelance writing, I think you have to look at what you've done in your career so far that you can point to as experience that helps you write X, Y, or Z for thus and such company. Mm -hmm. So it's really going to be specific to your, whatever experience you have. That said, um, the most recent stuff that I did, I, my thing was always history, um, history, biography, science, and technology. So I had clips and all of those like published clips that I could point to. And I, the last gig that I did for pay was I wrote 13 documentary shorts on um, different American history, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, uh, the experience of a specific marginalized group in specific wars in American history, which is like a highly special. And they wanted somebody who could not just write documentary um, like narration and put Mm -hmm. pictures to it, of footage that they had access to, but also footnote everything because they were going to have historians review it. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh honey, I'm your girl. Like yeah. <laughs> here's all, here's all the stuff I've been doing for 20 years. So right. those just got like released. Those got made and mm-hmm. they're, I didn't make them. I just wrote the scripts and they took them and then didn't even tell me when they were released. So that was, that was fun. Um, I mean, when we were talking earlier about like, be who you are. Don't try to be someone you're not go with the way your brain works. And, you know, if 
if it pays you to continue to be childlike in your wonder and curiosity, that's great. My caveat to that is just be professional for God's sake. Turn your stuff in on time, turn in good stuff. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be on time and it has to be good enough. And you will get hired again because it is shocking to me in this other, this other field, you know, not screenwriting or filmmaking, but this, where people need usable text in a certain amount of time. And if you can be reliable and, and, and even in film to some extent, like if you're a screenwriter and you owe them a draft and they know it's not going to be perfect, but you turn it in like on time or within a day or two. Great. Mm -hmm. If you turn in garbage on time, nobody cares if it's on time. If -hmm. you turn in a great script and it's two weeks late, they may be annoyed with you, but at least it's a great script. Right. Yep. Yep. But yep. in, in the business world of like freelance writing and editing, that's different. They need usable text and they need it on time. And you will get hired again if you keep doing that and you're not a dick about it. Yep. yep. Like be accommodating and friendly and roll with the punches and you will get, you'll keep getting hired because there's so few people that can do all three of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's I ranted, but I have a lot to say because like that was my primary career for a long time. And it's like not possible to make a living at it anymore. And that pisses me off because there are people who are really, really good at it and they deserve a living wage. So hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, that's definitely a good point. Yeah. We're in this age now where people just want content, content, content. And I can see how it's, um, the market is flooded with writers and they don't want to pay as much, but they're stealing it. They'll just go on websites and like, take your article and they'll Uh plug it into their site. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a fascinating thing. We could talk all day about it. Yeah. Cause (laughs) I've seen that, that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. So let's um, say anybody wanting to be a freelance writer right now, like find an find a niche or a backup yeah. because it just sucks out here. Definitely. Or like <laughs> apply at like a Chili's or like an Applebee's or something. <laughs> you know, that's all that's on the table. Yeah. Um, cool. And that's a that's a shout out to Chili's and Applebee's free of charge. <laughs> um great food at Chili's and Applebee's. Uh so what are your hobbies outside of screenwriting that help keep you sane? Oh, nothing helps keep me sane. Mm-hmm. I cook like a crazy mo- mofo. Um, my, my, I'm not a baker. I'm a cook. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I came from Savory a restaurant cook. family. Everyone knows to stay out of my way when I'm in the kitchen because I will f- fly. Shit is flying. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I do uh, insane cross stitch. Oh, cool. Made a quilt during the pandemic. I mm-hmm. haven't finished it yet. Mm-hmm. Photography. I read a lot. Mm-hmm. I watch a fuck ton of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I love reading scripts. I'm pissed off that they're, you know, I use Goodreads to keep track of the books that I read. There mm-hmm. needs to be one for scripts. There's nowhere to keep track of all the scripts that I read. Yeah. Um, that's another thing. I think a lot of screenwriters, like when I started out, I had never seen a screenplay. Didn't mm-hmm. know what they looked like. Mm-hmm. Had to use Word because Final <clears> Draft, <throat> like I'm not sure it existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I couldn't afford it anyway. I think screenwriters should read more scripts. So I like to do that. Yeah. Um, even movies that I've seen 15 times mm-hmm. and maybe especially movies that you've seen 15 times, you should read those scripts. And mm-hmm. now they're free on the internet. 
I used to have mm-hmm. to buy them from some guy that was selling them on the street in New York for 20 bucks. And they were like really badly photocopied. Uh-huh. And like, you don't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They're just That's online. Great. I know we are uh-huh. very spoiled these days. Like I recognize as someone who didn't get into screenwriting until the 2010s, that I am a ridiculously spoiled screenwriter compared to <laughs> even dating back to, you know, people in the 70s, 80s, even 90s who were doing all their research in a library or they had an, their own encyclopedia set to research. Um, everything for me is one search away, one Google away. Yeah. Uh, ridiculously easy. I also have all the nicest word processors um, that so, detect all my grammar, grammatical errors. I uh, think well, all of those things, of though, it's not just that they're spoil, they're spoiling people because, uh, you know, that's not making things easier for more people, I think, is an accessibility thing, not a spoiling thing. But I get your point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the yeah, great yeah. thing about it is it's raised the bar for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. I, my first script that I wrote in the 90s like was a nickel semifinalist three times. Mm-hmm. It it won't even it they would throw it across the room now if they read mm-hmm. it. Like mm-hmm. the bar is so much higher. Mm-hmm. And that's good. That's good for us as consumers and it's good for us as writers. It's mm-hmm. it's harder for us as writers, but it's good. Mm-hmm. You just mean in quality? In quality. Yeah. 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 If if the search is at your fingertips and you don't even have to be at home to do it, you know, if you have access to 15 comps of the story you're trying to tell in print form that you can read the script and see how it was done. Yeah. There's kind of no excuse yeah. for cleaning out shit. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's the excuse now is that who has time mm-hmm. and how do you find that stuff? But mm-hmm. honestly, I'm a, I'm a library junkie and I mean, I'm visiting LA in May because mm-hmm. I had to use some airline voucher up. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and, so, uh, and two, you know, my first places that I'm going to go are the WGA library and the Academy library, because Gosh. those are like my two favorite places in Los Angeles. Like, I would love to go. You can't, you can't get them online. Like some of these like really great movies and not even the really yeah. old ones, but stuff from the nineties and the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't, they're just not out there, which is fine. Like mm-hmm. there's a reason they're copyrighted, mm-hmm. whatever, but you can get them there. And mm-hmm. anybody can go in and read them as long as you're not, you know, crazy looking and yeah. don't have a suicide vest on. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I just, I love that. Uh, I keep thinking that I should go back and get a PhD in film history, but yeah, what would I do with that? Do some, that's fine. Do, do some teaching. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah yeah that's uh i would also love to go to those libraries that'd be amazing so i'm gonna ask you a tough question it's like picking a favorite child of the scripts that you've written which is your favorite and why oh you asshole i know i know i'm not actually making you pick between family members let's just be clear just your scripts one of them will hear me and then they'll get mad Yeah. yeah yeah um you know honestly people ask this on Twitter and I, I only half facetiously answer the one I'm writing right now. Mm-hmm. It's always the one I'm in love with. I am we so always feel that way. Yeah. 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 Um, favorite one. Can I pick two favorites? Yeah, please. I, since I said my voice, I have like two sides of one coin. Right. So yeah. My favorite, like family friendly adventure mm-hmm. four quadrant story mm-hmm. is um, is called Muscle and Bark, mm-hmm. and um, I love it. 
it's a it's about a guy who drove his dog sled from Nome, Alaska, on the west northwest coast of Alaska, to Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. to deliver a letty, letter to Teddy Roosevelt, and it's a true story. Oh wow, <laughs> that's cool! And this was a Silver Prize award winner at Page, oh, correct? You've been, you've been stalking me online. Stalking crazy, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the photos. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> I knew I should have scrubbed those. Um, yeah, I love muscle and bark. I, it's still so yeah. fun. Like I go back to be like, oh, I should fix that and update it. And like I get I get caught up in the fun of it because it was happening at the same time as like the first phone booth, the first public phone booth was invented. The oh, wow. um, Max Sennett was making the Keystone Cops movies. Um, this actually predates the Keystone Cops movies. And hmm. and so like I piled all that stuff in there and the, and America was turning into an industrialized nation. So they were. Yeah, it's about a dog sled. But like there's every other mode of transport that existed at that time is there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's also I don't know if you ever heard of this book called The Victorian Internet. Mm-hmm. I'm very dumb. It's, Please no, inform not, me. No, no, no. <laughs> it's like I'm a nerd. About yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, no, I'm, it's, it's entertaining. Please. The Victorian Internet is the telegraph system. Okay. And so just like in the early days of the internet, you had like these nerds who understood coding and programming so they could talk to each other through their computers, but the rest <laughs> of us couldn't. Cause this was like back in Al Gore days. Right. Okay. And uh, by the way, he never said that, um, yeah. <laughs> but the, but the telegraph operators were the same. It was the same. They were a system of highly skilled people. They spoke in code, right? Because mm-hmm. it was shorter and quicker mm-hmm. and use Morse code, but they also use like abbreviated language that no one else could understand. Mm-hmm. And so that he crossed America at the same time as that was happening. And so he kind of went viral in a way mm-hmm. uh, at the time and got That's really interesting <laughs> at the time. Yeah. So I feel like it's like, there's some, there's some fun and colorful, like echoes of our current society in this, time that happened in like 1905 1907 yeah um, oh i love an early 1900s it. viral sensation yeah and i don't think it'll ever get made because it's so expensive there's animals there's kids there's mm-hmm. there's crowds there's giant modes of transport and it's period i mean those are mm-hmm. five strikes like it'll never get made yeah but it's such a fun read and i love it uh so well, i have a surprise um I didn't actually want to just have a podcast with you. I have $30 million and I want to invest it in muscle and bark. And that's why we're having this meeting. Yeah. But we'll talk about that after we'll talk about that later. That's not important right now. Um, If I had known, I would have had a pitch prepared, but yeah, my other favorite is probably the (laughs) the murder mystery in the medieval convent one, which is dark. I think it's really entertaining. There's light, there's funny moments in it, but it's also kind of fucking dark and creepy. Mm-hmm. And the undercurrent is one of like, um, uh, well, let's just say the underlying theme is about misogyny in the Catholic church. So mm-hmm. I grew up in that and I kind of exercised some of my demons, um, mm-hmm. through, I think a very entertaining murder mystery story. Yeah. Love it. What was the title on that? That's called the litany of the saints. I remember whenever you first finished that and it was kind of going around on Twitter. So I, I forgot the name, but now I remember it because uh, yeah. I always thought it sounded like a really cool script. Um, I like it. It does need a rewrite. I'm about halfway through a rewrite. And I mm-hmm. think, oh, now it's fire. Like I thought it was good before, but now I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. This is the best feeling, right? Yeah. 
Um, so what's a recent accomplishment that you're proud of? It could be screenwriting related, but it also could just be in life. Um, gosh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Well, this, this past year, I'll just give you a, a kind of prosaic one. This past year, I decided to, um, I was inspired by a friend to set the goal of receiving 100 rejections mm. in the calendar year 2022. Mm-hmm. And to make life harder for myself, I excluded competitions from mm-hmm. the list. Oh, wow. So, that's that's a huge source of rejection. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a source of the feeling of rejection. Yeah. But it's not, they're not really, they're not really rejecting you. Mm-hmm. Um if your script doesn't place, there's a million reasons. And anyway, so mm-hmm, that's why mm-hmm. I excluded that. Now, what I did Got include it. was like labs and fellowships and queries and mm-hmm. um, anything like that, where like sometimes people on Twitter will be like, hey, I'm reading female directors. And if you have any work, so to speak, I didn't count those either because those are just like making a connection. Like there's no, sure. no sure. downside to that. So, yeah. and I got, let me look at my chart. My friend, Jen Dunn, who was one of your guests. Oh yeah, we love Jen sent Dunn. Me a little, she sent me a little wall chart mm-hmm. of numbers one through a hundred, so I could put like a little marker on every time I got a new rejection, which really, um, yeah. really took the sting out of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was so fun to because me and my little ADHD brain went over and like moved my little post-it note over every time, and I got to yeah. seventy-two. No, because. There were some film festival rejections and then some other ones that I hadn't added. So I think I got to like 86. Wow. That's pretty um, close to the goal. Well, the great thing, obviously, about setting this goal is that you're going to send your stuff out to way more people than you would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. And you're going to almost welcome <laughs> the rejection. Because uh-huh. what happened towards <laughs> the end of the year was like, Oh, excellent. I can go move my marker like three spaces. You know, I'm reading my emails like, oh, great. Let me go move my marker. It just yeah. didn't, I just didn't fucking care anymore. Yeah, Did that's cool. Putting like, some of them stung. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that they're, none of them stung. Like For there sure. were some that I was so sure. I got yeah. invited to submit to the second round of this like incredibly prestigious lab thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, I hope because they invited me, I hope, you know, and someone recommended me and, I know my essays are fire because all my friends read them and they they all think they're great and uh-huh. um, didn't, you know, didn't make it. But numerically, yeah, I wasn't yeah. going to make it anyway, mm-hmm. but it still stung because I put in all that time. <laughs> yes. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So that I moved the post-it with a heavy hand that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. But anyway, uh, I would totally, I would totally recommend that approach, especially to people yeah. who are afraid to query or afraid mm-hmm. to get their work out there. Mm-hmm. Um, just set a number. You think you said 50, mm-hmm. set 25. If you've never sent anything out before, mm-hmm. because proportionally, some of those are going to have to be yeses. Yeah. I got a bunch of read requests from people that I never would have thought mm-hmm. would read my stuff mm-hmm. because I had to query them because I had to get these hundred. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. I was like, Oh, they're not going to read it. I'll just get a quick couple of rejections here and I can move my post-it and, they 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 requested it. That's amazing. Yeah. Nothing so just put yourself out that. there. Nothing happened after that, but that wasn't the point of the exercise. Sure. So yeah. yeah. So I'm kind of proud that I stuck with that goal through a whole year because even though it sounds really simple, um, 
it took it took a lot of energy to keep revisiting and like keep going back and add to that list of people I was sending stuff out to. And like it, it took attention, recurrent attention, which I'm really bad at. Mm-hmm. I can do things in spurts and then mm-hmm. forget all about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this took I think it was it was building a lot of good habits and also just like encouraging to set yeah. a goal like that and and to to make the negative into something positive for me. Definitely. I want to continue that. And I want to like, keep, I want to make other habits like that. So I can stay like, I had a really emotionally devastating week career wise just now. And I'm just trying, I just, you gotta like, let it go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get anywhere, you know? Yep. Yeah. It's so important to just learn, like you said, you know, rolling with the punches it's just true. And you're, it's like, it's never going to end. Like even, you know, fucking Steven Spielberg has to roll with the punches these days. I'm sure that he still has movies. Well, I I think that there's like projects (laughs) who, who did I hear? It was some huge, like it was like Paul Schrader or someone like that who um, was, had been fighting to get a movie made for a number of years now, like in recent years, and it just can't, he can't get it off the ground, be it, it too expensive or, oh, oh, was it? Was it Del Toro? It could have been. I was it just telling somebody this morning, it was going around on social media fairly recently, like in recent months, I guess, or maybe even the last year, but it was a, a yeah. statement that he made in an interview where like he added up all the time he had spent on his projects over the years that never went anywhere. Mm-hmm like the ones that never got made that we've never heard of because Mm -hmm. nothing happened with them. And Mm -hmm. he added up all the time he spent working on those and it was 16 years. And this is a wildly successful, like really admired director. 16 years of his life. You know, and, and to his credit, he's like, it wasn't wasted because Mm -hmm. it made me, you know, the artist that I am, but at the same time it was wasted. And it's, it's easy to look back on that and be like, I just, I just was working on a project for about a year and a half and I like set it aside two days ago. Like I can't, Mm. I can't do it. I know the feeling. It's not going to go and it's just devastating. And I'm trying not to think about the year and a half and the sunk cost, you know, the sunk cost fallacy Mm -hmm. where like, oh, I have to finish this because I put money into it and I put time into it. And I'm like, no, it's sucking my life away. Like I need my life. It's an opportunity cost as well. Mm -hmm. And I need to focus on things that I can you know, control like my short that I'm making this year and my feature that I'm going to make next year. And mm-hmm. so, but it's still, you know, you still need to take a couple of days to process the hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my year in Let's a nutshell. Of, yeah. 2021 was like that for me with um just a couple features that I got going, uh, didn't, or I finished, but they're just not quite where I would like them to be. They're just not working and uh, just spent the majority of 2022, not having any new work, you know, that I was willing to like put out there. And it's like, I actually did a fair amount of writing, but it's just not stuff that feels right and feels good. Like the reception hasn't been that great just from like peers, Uh you know, and like, I know what needs to be done and yeah, it just sucks. I I know the feeling, but I do agree with what he said that like, it makes you the artist you are is that, no matter what, even a script that you don't feel like is good enough to put out there, you still did the exercise of writing a new feature. And that's a great thing. You took a new cast of characters through a new plot, all those things. You end up learning things from doing that every time. 
Uh, you said a short and a feature. Do you want to talk about either of those things? Uh, well, one of them, I'm, the short, I'm in the process of getting the film rights from an author for her short story that mm -hmm. I read it. Um, I just decided last year to just sort of devour a bunch of short stories. And I don't read a lot of fiction generally. I read a lot of nonfiction and because um, that's what I enjoy, but mm -hmm. that's what I write. But um, I started reading a lot of short stories and I found this one just grabbed a hold of me and I just couldn't let it go. Mm -hmm. And it it feels a lot like the first short I made. Like it has the same kind of slow burn, creepy feel um, with this astonishing twist at the end. Um, it's not gory or anything. It's like two people in a house. I, you know, I can do it mm -hmm. um, well for not a whole lot of money. So I'm trying to get the rights. She's verbally has consented. So we're just um, doing the paperwork now, but need to write that script. And I'm hoping to shoot that in like September. And then the feature is a micro budget um, SAG. The Screen Actors Guild has a um, micro budget category now. Like if, mm -hmm. if you do, if your whole feature is under $20,000, Mm -hmm. I like how they think that's micro budget. That's no yeah. budget. <laughs> yeah, 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 for <laughs> micro sure. Micro is like under a hundred thousand. Uh -huh. um, that that their you know their union members can participate if if you can come to an agreement about how to pay them, mm. as long as your film is so micro budget that you like can't pay uh, any mm -hmm. almost anything. So yeah. uh, that gave me the idea, and that was my friend's idea too in shooting the the film in her dad's hometown. Mm -hmm. um, Ultimately, she didn't have to abide by those rules because she got funding for her. You know, she was yeah. able to do it a little bit bigger and better. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I wanted to do. And I have a location and I have actors and I have probably a crew and I have my co-producer and PAs mm -hmm. and I don't have a script. So everything else. Yeah. And that's how yeah. I got my that's how I got my other shorts made. Yeah, really. I started mm -hmm. with like, what do I have access to and how can Smart. I build a story? Yep. Um, yep. Smart. And so that's what I'm going to try to do with this feature. And it doesn't look like it's going to be this year. I, I am going to write it and polish mm -hmm. it, and, you know, do as much prep on it as I can. But mm -hmm. I think it will probably be 2024 when that shoots, unless yeah. something better comes along. Like there's a proof of concept from one of my features that, it's the it's one of the ones I really love, but it's not done well in competitions. And I think mm. it's just because it's a genre bender. Like it's mm. deliberately a genre bender. And I think mm -hmm. like we we're talking about, I think it's not a competition script. I mm -hmm. think people read it and they're like, I don't know what this is. Mm -hmm. You know, pass. Mm -hmm. So, but I, there's things I love about it that I want people to see. And so I might make a proof of concept short that stands on its own. So at least I will have the short. Even if nothing happens with the feature, I'll have this short and my characters will be alive for a minute, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah. And that would cost probably as much as the micro budget feature or more. Mm -hmm. So it depends. We'll see. Meanwhile, I'm doing yeah. this adapted short. Um, I'm almost certainly um, going to do that. But I had to set this other feature script aside to to get to those things. Otherwise, it was, you know. Yeah. I just still feel like, you know, your your trusty old dog died. I know. Not yeah. ready for a new dog yet, you know, but you're still yeah. missing him. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, 
Gina, what are a few words of advice to your fellow screenwriters out there, especially those just getting started? And I know this whole podcast has been that, but what's one final thing that you would say just as a broad stroke kind of message? Um, Gold just slug lines. No, don't. Yeah, oh, wait, hold on. You can't say that on here. <laughs> I am not. I'm not in favor of building slug. You can cut this part, right? Uh, yeah, I'm my, not either. Honestly, I don't know if it should be career advice or writing advice. Mm -hmm. um, either or. Either or. For career advice, I'll, I'll tell you what other people told me when I was starting out. Don't do it. Just don't. <laughs> just don't go into this field. It's terrible. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's it's brutal. It's rough. It's hard. If you absolutely have to do it, and you that's how you get your yayas. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be your life. Make mm -hmm. sure you have a life mm -hmm. that's separate from this draining rejection riddled, um, you know, not, not everybody can be in the NFL. There's actually a smaller proportion of screenwriters that are working mm -hmm. than there are football players in the NFL. Like the proportion is it's mm -hmm. hard to play football and it's mm -hmm. even harder to get in the NFL. So imagine yeah. how many people are writing screenplays and then how many people are in the NFL of screenwriting mm -hmm. and like proceed accordingly. Yeah. That said, if you really believe in it, don't fucking let anybody stop you. Mm -hmm. like, you don't have to be a dick about it, but just don't listen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, so. I believe in that wholeheartedly. I think it's weird because, you know, this is also a field well actually any field and honestly just in life it's good to be humble you know it's good oh, yeah. to not have a huge ego but then there's also this flip side where in your own brain in the back of your mind the place that no one else goes but you you have to believe you're the fucking shit yeah you're the, you're the fucking shit and you're gonna make it happen you yeah. know at the end of the day you have to be your biggest cheerleader um yeah. now it's okay to have all those doubts we all have doubts i doubt myself every single day about this but um but at the same time like you you know don't be loud about it but having that ego in the back of your mind it's kind of necessary you just have to really believe in yourself because you, like you said you're just going to meet so much rejection um and it's hard to keep going Whenever, because, you know, like you said, the the whole disproportionate number of NFLers to football players, even smaller screenwriters to screenwriters yeah. in the world, professional writers, um, it's brutal. And it's like <laughs> thinking that you can do it, especially like, you know, uh, where are you from in the country? I'm originally from Pennsylvania, but I live in Tidewater, Virginia now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, outside of St. Louis in a smaller suburb city. Uh, for most of my life. So thinking that I'm going to go make movies in Hollywood while I'm still here seems absolutely insane. And when I tell people that who don't know me around these parts, uh, they look at me like I'm insane, you know, and it's well, and you I just mean, have to take it. You do have two heads. So, yeah, well, I mean, that aside, I, I, I mean, a blind person told me this. No, <laughs> uh, but I'm just saying like. You have to be like, uh, I don't care that you think that that sounds crazy. I'm going to fucking do it. Right. And well, you don't have to yeah. say it out loud, but you just have to believe it in your heart. 
I agree. I agree. And also like it's sometimes you don't hear that voice for a long time. And so it's easier to listen to. But the the other thing yeah. is like um, define what success looks like for you. Yeah, that's huge. You know? Yep. That's um, huge. When I when I realized a few years ago, we're all like my my friend that made this feature. Um, said to me you know how I feel about competitions and trying to get a manager and everything. She said, many are called, few are chosen. I'm just going to do my thing. Hmm. And I was like, damn it. Why, why did it take me so long to like the scales fell from my eyes? And I was like, yes, success for me mm-hmm. is having my finished work produced. 100%. Yeah. So yeah. that doesn't mean that I need a manager and I need the attention of Ron Howard. And I need, it doesn't, it means I have to write what I can produce myself and either you know build it from the ground like what is within my control Mm -hmm. and not somebody else's i can't i can't measure my success as like well i'm going to be a failure unless i win two oscars because the first one's a fluke right i'm I'm gonna (laughs) (laughs) i can't be successful unless this that or the other how i need a wga card to be successful and Uh if that's your goal great Mm -hmm. there's a way to do that for Mm -hmm. me that wasn't it and so when i let go of all that noise Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I can do this part. This is the part that's my actual goal. Mm-hmm. And all the noise, you got to p- shut out that noise and just focus on your own work. And that's that's really helped. I think I've grown over like the last just two, three years to the point where like now things are starting to happen for me because I let go of the shit that, that really wasn't important, but I thought it was important. Yeah. And just yeah, the more optics know. kind of success. Yeah. Well, I don't, I just, I'm never going to get optics success. I'm too old (laughs) and I'm not pretty. And, you know, there's a whole lot of like, (laughs) there's a whole lot of reasons that I'm not, I'm not that person that's going to fit that mold. I'm, I will always be an East coaster and I'll always feel like an alien in LA and that's just the way it's going to be. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can relate big time to that. Um, (laughs) Feeling like an outsider and feeling like I would not belong there. All Um, my protagonists are outsiders. So, you know, yeah, same, same. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so we're definitely getting our own shit out through our writing, as one does. <laughs> um, but I agree, we've never lived in a better time than now with the internet to make your stuff happen however you can and see what happens. But just keep going to bat for yeah. yourself. And um, That's I advice. love that. I love that advice. Um, Gina, it's been such a pleasure. Is there anything you want to promote? I I feel really bad that we've talked almost two hours, and I feel really bad for your listeners. I'm sorry. No, but, they're gonna um, love it. They're gonna. You're love gonna cut it. it down, right? You're gonna cut it down like 40 minutes, right? Yeah. Every time I said uh, I cut those out, and that always <laughs> takes out like an hour, so we'll be good. No. Anything um, I want to promote? Yeah. Watch films. Read scripts. Write what moves you. How's that? Beautifully Don't said. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Don't be a dick is pretty important. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's, pretty universal. Like if there's anything that's going to prevent you from having a career in Hollywood, it's probably being a dick right off the bat. Um, I I think especially there are some some out there. If you're at all marginalized, then definitely because you'll get one shot. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Unfortunately, but we can all do our own thing. So that's what I Well, it's been such a pleasure. Happy New Year. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, y'all. 
episode 23 is in the books. I want to thank Gina DeAngelis for coming on the show. That was a great interview. It was so nice finally talking to Gina. Like I said, you know, since the beginning of the pandemic, I felt like she's a friend, um, and not just to me, a friend to many on screenwriting Twitter. She's the best. She's one of our pillars in the community. It doesn't surprise me that she's friends with Jen Dunn because Jen Dunn is also a pillar in the community. And uh, just great people. It's so cool that we have this thing, this app, even though Elon Musk is trying to destroy it. Um, It's been so cool, and it's honestly been such a great thing in my life through some of the toughest years to get through these past couple years. And um, I really hope that, you know, along with like their contributions to Twitter, that this dumb podcast is helpful or just enjoyable to um, some of you as we just try to make it through these days, man. It's brutal. Um, But yeah, anyway, I want to thank Gina. Um, If you guys like this episode and want to say something nice about the podcast, you should do that on Twitter or Instagram. You can tag us up at SocialWriterPod. Say whatever you want. Say something funny or smart that Gina said. Say something dumb that I said. I can already think of a few um, that I regret saying. At one point, I was like talking about a young person who's exceptionally talented well beyond their years. And I called him a virtuoso and Gene corrected me. It's a prodigy. So I'm taking that off the table because I did feel dumb in that moment. She wasn't trying to make me feel dumb, but I felt dumb, my own insecurity. <laughs> so that's off the table. <clears throat> but if there's other stuff that I said that's stupid, feel free, please. I just want the interaction on Twitter. Um, and also if you guys like the podcast and you want to donate, I mentioned it up top, but I'll mention it again on our social media pages at social writer pod on Instagram or Twitter. There's a donate button in our link tree link in our bio. You can go there. It takes you to a PayPal thing. It's all legit. And you can toss me a few dollars and it really helps me out. These things take a while, you know, to record and plan and edit and, you know, put them out and do the promo. All that stuff. I love doing it, but I'll never turn down a few dollars of help for doing it. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, guys, that's it. Um, You know, it's 2023 now. Happy New Year. I really want to get into the groove with this podcast and get back to trying to do bi-monthly. Is that what it's meant? Bi-weekly? Bi-weekly. Yeah, two, two a month is what I was doing when I first started. And that's like a good pace for me. I got really busy at the end of the year, and that's why they've slowed down. But... I want to get back into it and really work my ass off this year. And I hope you guys want to as well. Um, So I will talk to you next time, guys. Take care of yourselves. Try to get enough sleep. Try to drink enough water. Try to get up and move around. Get away from the laptop for a little bit. And I will talk to you guys soon, okay? Uh, Bye-bye. The Social Screenwriters Podcast.